TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on the Xander Bogart situation, it appears the Red Sox, according to John Heyman from New York Post, I know some people apparently don't trust the New York Post unless it's politics. We found that out in the last hour that... If you believe what is reported here, all the Red Sox offered was Bogarts one extra year at $30 million. I don't even have an issue with the Red Sox not bringing Bogarts back. And I get everybody loves Bogarts, but he's not a defensive shortstop long term. I understand Bloom's thinking, but they really handled this poorly from a PR standpoint. What they offered Bogarts, first of all, they should have never offered him that. It's a slap in the face. And secondarily, they should have never allowed this to get out there. By making that dumb of an offer, you put yourself in a vulnerable position. And I truly believe that if this deal wasn't real, or this offer, I should say, wasn't real, Heim Bloom would have denied it. Somebody within the Red Sox organization would have denied this report. It's not like it was some blogger. It was from John Heyman, one of the most dialed-in reporters in all of Major League Baseball. He put it in the freaking New York Post. Okay, so this is a big story that was everywhere today, especially here in the New England area. So if they really knew that they, or if they, if this is untrue, they would have denied it. So that's the issue I have. The other thing is this. We know about the Devers situation, but Rob Bradford, great job by Rob reporting today that the Red Sox haven't approached Evaldi about a contract. And I know a lot of you like me going into the 2021 season, we were concerned about Nate because of the fact that, okay, yeah, he threw the ball well in the postseason in 18. He was dealing with an injury in 19. They tried to put him in the bullpen. He wasn't good in the bullpen. So it was a lost year. 2020 shortened season. He was good, but then he got injured at the end of the season. And then last season, man, he took off. And it took us a while to buy in, but you realize, okay, he doesn't walk anybody. He's got four really good pitches. I'm not as high in a slider as everybody else, or not as everybody else, but I don't know why he throws it so much. It was an emphasis in the offseason because he had reverse splits last year. He's actually better against lefties rather than righties. So he wanted to develop that slider a little bit more. The other day, seven sliders, no whiffs, no called strikes. I just don't feel like it's a very effective pitch. But my overwhelming point with Nate is he was one of the best pitchers in the American League. He was durable last season. And you don't have any guarantees. Now, look, maybe something happens throughout the season. But you don't have any guarantees in your rotation entering 2023. I like Pavetta, but he's up and down. I like Hoke, but he's better in the bullpen. Paxton and Sale both coming back from an injury. I love Bale, but we got to see him pitch at the major league level. I would just go to Nathan Evaldi right now and offer him something. I would offer him a two-year deal, close to $50 million, maybe a little bit over 50 maybe with an option on a third season, 
because I would just like the certainty here. He was the guy for the Red Sox down the stretch. He was the guy for the Red Sox in the postseason. I would just make Nathan Navaldi a contract offer. And look, if he wants something insane, five, six-year deal, I w- I'd be okay with the Red Sox letting it go. But at least try to get something short-term with the guy. And that's what irritates me about this report from Rob. Not that I'm irritated by Rob's report. Great reporting by Rob. I don't want to make it sound that way. But what I'm irritated about is that they haven't approached him. Why? Why haven't you approached Nathan Navaldi? He's the best pitcher on your staff right now. Right now, Him and Garrett Whitlock are the best two pitchers on your team, period. Why wouldn't you make him an offer? That's what irritates me. Why haven't you negotiated with him? This is a guy you want to keep here. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Mike. Mike is in Cranston. Mike, what's up, man? Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. Yeah, how are you? you? Some grief. You you walked into a little uh, like tidal wave on that fellow from New York Post, but actually, I kind of like the Post. And, uh, you know, to Heyman's, to Heyman's uh, you know, article, and I haven't read it yet, but, you know, there could be some, uh, you know, Boris is, is, is uh, Xander's agent. There could be some planting. There could be – there's, of course, there's, there's stuff behind the scenes going on and a chess game and, you know, negotiations and whatnot. Uh, I would be discouraged if that was true. Um, because he's on a team-friendly deal. And let's never, ever forget, you know, John Henry um, is a speculator. I mean, this is one of his, um, I hate to say toys, but, I mean, I'm grateful for his ownership, frankly. And, you know, uh, that being said, um, I do hope that, let's not forget, though, we get this kid Maya we just uh, spent the seventh pick on, and I'm probably butchering his name. But oh, you got from it. San Diego, you know, the high school kid, right? Um, now, he's he's a big kid, and he fell to us because um, I forgot who took the catcher and who took, uh, I think it was maybe Detroit. Yeah, our old catcher. buddy. Our old buddy in Pittsburgh took um, Henry right. Davis. And, 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 and uh, the um, Sherrington, who was a beast, who came out of, um, who's the son of a major leager. Again, I. Yeah, lighter. I'm, Lighter went to the Rangers. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of fell to us because, yep. so he's, you know, they're penciling this kid in for the next six years. I get it. Um, I do hope they sign Devis. I do hope, you know, hey, it's, it's the whole, the whole, you know, at the end of the day is, you know, that's their business. What, we're going to find out a lot. We're going to find out a lot about their business model because if they're going to go with the Tampa route um, and, and even with the Jackie Bradley trade, uh, they they really they got Jackie. I get it. Okay, you know you're paying him, but really it was the prospect that made that deal. And I think he's a third baseman. Yeah, Alex Pinellas. Um, he, he's he's got an OPS uh, over fourteen hundred right now. He's slugging eight hundred. Yeah, exactly, that's why they got him. Yes, exactly. So you know, and they're not moving out of Fenway. They're making money. Um, you know, with the, with with the you know the upgrades. Um. But it's going to be interesting. You know, it's it's kind of like the real-life soap opera. You know what I mean? Like sports is. And, like, even, you know, uh, you got you know, you know got Kyrie coming into Boston. I've never been this excited for um, a Celtics playoff game since, like, Bird, the Bird era. Whoa! You know? and, that much, uh, Mike? Personally. Whoa! Oh, yeah. What about, like, with the Garnett-Pierce really- teams? All right. Okay, I forgot about them. All right, sorry. <laughs> that not included. That not included. All right. Totally, totally. Again, um, it's late night and I'm a little tired. But uh, 
yeah, that that notwithstanding, um, it, it's that level. I mean, yeah, include them in it. Include them in it, definitely. You know, I was a lot younger then and working a lot less, but yeah, totally. And and Garnett's teams came close to winning a couple. You know. Yeah, well, and, I mean, the um, one they the tw- the they would have won it. They would and I look, Mike. I know we can say what it could have should have, but they would have won in two thousand and nine if it wasn't for Garnett dealing with the knee injury. Remember, he never played in that well, series. Look at McHale getting hurt. Yeah, um, the foot injury, the broken foot in whatever the hell it was. Okay, it's a long time ago, but and that's what the beauty of sports is. And 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 like it, you, you know, getting back to your point too with Avaldi, I love Avaldi. He's a stud. He's a stud. Oh, he's a thoroughbred, Mike. He's a, and he's, he's put together, two, he's too. He's two Tommy Johns. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's had two Tommy Johns. So they're playing really hardball with him because it's going to be a wait. And well, no, hold on, Mike. Hold on. They're not playing hardball with him. They're not even playing ball with him. Well, I, I – all right. So if we are – if you're the general manager of any team, okay, any any team, I don't care if it's amateur league, and I I, – I, I, Point being, you're always in communication with your people, aren't you? I mean, Brian. Well, Mike, no, they're not, Mike. They haven't talked to him. I believe my boy Bradford. You know Rob Bradford? I do. Of course I do. Yeah, he's, he's a good reporter, Mike. I believe Brad. I believe Bradford. Well, don't you think that that stuff is some some of it, you know, is in school or out of school or whatever? So I hope they talk to him. But if they, all right, let's say they didn't. Let's say they didn't. Yeah, they haven't. And, and that shame on them. Because I agree. Have an employee. These these guys are employees and human beings at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? And you know, hopefully they're all good with their money. I get it, but you know, I hope there is some conversation. But the kid's a beast. He won you a world. He was outstanding. Oh yeah. Uh, he's outstanding. It just yeah. Went, hey Mike, I know, appreciate the call. Him. Mike, I appreciate it. We hit a lot of different things there. The last point, totally agree with. I I don't understand why they haven't approached Evaldi. I understand they have a lot of. I almost said something. I can't. They have a lot of stuff they have to deal with right now. The Devers, the Bogarts. They got the Garrett Whitlock deal done, which was a great deal from Hein Bloom and Company. People should be happy about that deal. The guy is tremendously underpaid, right? I mean, and look, he wanted to be here. I don't criticize Garrett Whitlock for taking a below market deal. If anything, it helps the Red Sox long term. But essentially, he's going to be making half as much on a yearly basis as the top relievers in the sport. And he's going to pitch more innings. And secondarily, if he ever goes into the rotation, he's going to be like the most underpaid starter in Major League Baseball based on what he does on a nightly basis. That's how good Garrett Whitlock is, right? So I just add all those components together, and that was a great deal from Bloom and Company. But I just don't understand the idea of not approaching Nathan Avaldi about any sort of contract. Like I said, like I would understand if Nathan Avaldi and his representation, if you will, if they were looking for like a seven or eight year deal and High Bloom and Company said, we're not giving you that. Like, I would totally understand that, right? But the fact that they never approached Nate, how do you know that Evaldi wouldn't be willing to play for two years and 50 mil or two years and 50 mil with a player option in the third year, right? Like, that's to me the aggravating part about this as it pertains to Evaldi because this is the one that's kind of flying under the radar. Bogart's endeavors are front and center. Kike Hernandez and Nathan Evaldi are sort of in the background. And Evaldi was clearly your best pitcher last year. He was your opening day starter. You can't just afford to let that guy go. Right now, on paper, 
There is not a replacement. Like I said, maybe we find out that Bayo's going to be that guy long term, but he's not in the major leagues yet. I can't depend on Sale. I can't depend on Paxton. So I just sometimes, Heimblum does a really good job about projecting what the future is going to be for some of these guys. Like, he's really good at that in terms of he'll find something in terms of, like, for example, Hansel Robles. They looked at Robles. They said, hey, if we get the walk rate down and if he throws more sliders, he's going to be good here. They were right about that. They've been really good projecting that type of stuff, right, where they see a certain pitch, a certain skill with a certain, like, Kike. Kike wasn't an everyday player in Los Angeles. They saw something with Kike Hernandez. Well, he can hit right. He's good enough to play every day. We feel like he's one of the most versatile defenders in the sport. They found a role. But sometimes you have got to pay for certainty. And Nathan Avaldi, that is certainty. He is going to post every fifth day, and he's going to give you a good start. I, for the most part, I mean, look, everyone has a bad start once in a while, but you get my point. I would pay that guy. And I would have definitely had a conversation with him before now. That, to me, makes zero sense. All right, 617 779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on the Bogart situation and great reporting from Rob Bradford, do you want the Red Sox to sign Nathan Evaldi? Should this deal already be done? Why haven't they approached him? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. And we will get to the Bill O'Brien thing shortly as well. Why the Patriots didn't go after him hard. They didn't really go after him at all. We have an explanation on that. We'll get to that in a little bit as well here in EEI. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEEI and WEEI.com. Well, the Sox have their home opener Friday afternoon at Fenway. They'll open up a four-game set with the Twins, 2-10 for his pitch. Joe Castiglione, Will Fleming, have your call. Pre-game coverage starts with Mutt at 110. Nick Pavetta on the mound opposite Joe Ryan. Rob Bradford, we are just talking about it. My guy, he reports the Sox haven't, I repeat, haven't engaged in any contract conversations with Nathan Avaldi. Avaldi's in the final year of his contract with the team. He's making 17 mil. The Bees fell to the Senators 3-2 to tonight. They'll host the Penguins on Saturday afternoon. The Seas and the Nets open up their first-round series at the Garden on Sunday, 3.30 start time. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. And it is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Cheers to all the beer runners. Join WEI from 1 to 3 p.m. Monday at O'Keefe's on Boylston Street. And it's brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Cheers to all the beer runners. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. 
See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. We're getting you ready for opening day tomorrow, baby, at Fenway. Sox, Twins, Pavetta on the mound against Joe Ryan. And then you're going to have Hulk on Saturday. Sonny Gray is going for the Twins. I totally forgot he got traded there. He got traded there in the offseason from Cincinnati. He had a decent season last year, but I'm fired up for opening day. Now that the bats got going, I'm ready for some actual baseball and not contract talks, because that's where we're at right now. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Scott in Providence. Scott, what's up, my friend? Hey, how's it going tonight? Good, how are you? Good. I want to talk about Kike. What do you think the Sox would try to offer him? You know, that's really it's really difficult to kind of even project that, right, Scott? Because if you think about what he signed here originally with the Red Sox, it was a two-year... $14 $14 million deal, right? And at that time, it felt like, okay, I mean, Kike Hernandez, we're all looking at it like, okay, well, he's kind of a platoon guy. Like, what type of money are you playing for a platoon guy? But it, it turned out that he's an everyday center fielder. And from a defensive perspective, he turned out to be one of the best center fielders in all of Major League Baseball. But, Scott, I think he's going to get to free agency, considering the fact that for him, it really doesn't behoove him to sign an extension with the team right now unless they blow him over, right? Because Kike has the ability where we already know he's exceeded the $14 million, right? So when you look at it from his perspective, he may say, okay, if I have another season like last year where he didn't play enough innings, but he played gold glove caliber center field, he actually was really good for about uh three-month period hitting, and then what we saw he did in the postseason. So if he has another really good or a pretty good offensive season, plays this type of defense, it's not a really good market for free agents next year. It's basically Bogarts, Correa, Turner, the big guys, but there's not a lot of depth in that class. He may get something close to $15 million a year. So if I was Kike Hernandez and if I was representing Kike, I would say don't sign anything now. Wait. See if you can up your value even more. Yeah, I agree with that. And then Touching back on your points from earlier, do you think the Sox can be able to afford Devers if they potentially offer TK and then a couple guys out there they have to sign, like Evaldi, and then I think there's one more guy you're talking about? Well, Scott, a lot of money comes off the books next year. So right now, like, their obligations for next year are around between $70 and $80 million, depending on a couple of options. So they really don't have a lot of guys on the books for next year. Okay, awesome. Gives me some hope for the future. Yeah, and to your point, Scott, about Kike, like, Jackie's making nine and a half. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Renfro, but, I mean, good to see him go. He got, got paid a little bit. Yeah, well, the Renfro thing, and, Scott, I appreciate the phone call. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. The Renfro thing was interesting because he had all these outfield assists last year, but he ranked out as, like, basically a mediocre outfielder. Middle of the road, average outfield. Not to say he's bad, average outfield. Not very rangy, but of course we know what the arm was. But with Renfro, it was the 40 bombs, the cannon for an arm, the highlight plays, et cetera, that type of stuff. But then he didn't hit it all in the postseason. I remember doing Red Sox review last year. Everyone was pissed about Hunter Renfro. 
But when you look at it, this was everybody tries to make this out to be like, and I'm not saying Scott was, but everybody tries to make it out to be like this was Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. It wasn't right. I mean, what the Red Sox were doing, it wasn't a small market move. In fact, if anything, the move for Renfro was a big market move because what the Red Sox essentially did is they paid for prospects. Now, I get it. Jackie Bradley Jr. is platooning out there in right field right now, but they paid for prospects. They paid for Alex Pinellas who's absolutely hammering the ball right now. He's a 23-year-old, or 22-year-old, rather, who was a former third-round pick. He was just a third-round pick in 2020, like the pandemic year. That's what the Red Sox were doing. That's part of the process with Hein Bloom, is he's trying to rebuild the farm system. And so when Hein Bloom came from a place in Tampa where you had to get all your homegrown talent, you had to develop everything, the fact that they go after a guy like Alex Benellis tells you, okay, this is how he's going to handle things from a big market perspective in terms of rebuilding the farm system. They're going to use money to buy prospects. That's essentially what they did. Jackie Bradley's junior's contract, that's a bad contract. They took on a bad contract. So Alex Benellis, who's down there hitting home runs left and right, I believe he has four right now. He has an OPS over 1,400. He's slugging 800. That's why they did that. They did that to improve the depth of the farm system. And everybody thinks to the point like, oh, how many prospects can you have? The reason they do that, the reason they want to have a surplus in terms of their farm system. And if you look at Baseball America last year, they went from 20th and 20 in 2020 at the end of 2020 to 9th by the end of 2021. And they have one of the best prospects in all of Major League Baseball right now. Actually, two of them in Marcelo Mayer and Tristan Cassius. That's what they were doing, right? They're rebuilding the farm system. And Heinblum's already proven he can do that. And I like the idea of paying per, for prospects taking on bad contracts. That's something you can do. And actually, that's something the Red Sox could do a little bit more of, even at the trading deadline. Because now they're already over the CBT, they could just say, screw it, F it. Let's take on some more bad money so we can get prospects. That's a big market way to rebuild your farm system. And I applaud Heimblum and company for doing that. But anyway, I did want to get to the Patriots for a second because I did promise you that I was going to get to the Bill O'Brien thing. So remember, this is a topic of conversation for like a month. After Josh McDaniels took that job at the Raiders, and by the way, they just signed Derek Carr to a massive deal, and they gave him a no-trade clause. I, I don't blame the Raiders for doing that. I, I get it. Like, we can make jokes about, oh, he's the fourth-best quarterback in his division. But he's still pretty good. I'm not telling you that Derek Carr is an elite quarterback, but he's pretty good. What's the alternative for the Raiders? He was the reason, or one of the reasons, that Devontae Adams wanted to go to the Raiders. Okay, so you got one of the best, if not the best, receiver. And I know Cooper Cup was the triple crown winner last year. But you could make a real convincing argument that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. He wants to play with Derek Carr. Derek Carr now has him, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Like, that team is stacked from a weapons perspective, right? So, I don't, like, people are criticizing the Raiders for that deal and putting the no trade in. Like, He's good enough with those weapons to try to make a run. Not to mention they upgraded their defense as well, which clearly needed some help. They brought in a guy like Chandler Jones to get after the quarterback. They were able to basically do the opposite approach of what the Patriots are doing. They're just spending. Josh McDaniels gets there. Him and Dave Ziegler are like, you know what? Let's go spend money. Let's do it. Let's go out there and spend money. Let's go out and give up draft picks so we can go after Devontae Adams. It's kind of funny seeing Josh McDaniels leave the nest and making all these moves. But anyway, the point being that Derek Carr, I, I don't blame the Raiders for signing that deal. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. I think he's good enough to win with that team. The problem for Josh McDaniels is the division. That's why they go out and they sign Chandler Jones. That's why they go out there and they get Devontae Adams because they know in that division with 
Tyreek Hill, or excuse me, not with Tyreek Hill, with the Chiefs now still loaded, still got Travis Kelsey, still got Patrick Mahomes, and then you look at the Chargers, they brought J.C. Jackson over, not to mention the fact they already have Mike Williams offensively. Like, that's a good offense with one of the better young quarterbacks in the league. For my money, the most talented quarterback in the league, period. Not to mention Denver gets Russell Wilson, so you had to load up. So Josh McDaniels, it, I like seeing that Josh McDaniels did something that a lot of these other coaches that have left the nest haven't done. And it seems like Josh McDaniels is going to take another approach or a different approach in his second opportunity of being a head coach. Now, the fact that he left meant the Bill O'Brien thing. That was, we talked about this for like a month about, hey, could Bill O'Brien be the guy? So this is the reporting now from Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal. It came out earlier this week. He said, quote, in his article, I finally got to the bottom of the Bill O'Brien mystery and why he's not back here as the offensive coordinator. O'Brien made a two-year two year commitment to Saban. Belichick just wasn't going to put Saban, his good friend, in the position of giving his blessing on O'Brien leaving. All right, so do you have a problem with that as a Patriots fan? That Belichick was never going to ask Nick Saban for permission to bring Bill O'Brien back to the Patriots. 617-779-7937. So here's the part of the story that isn't here, why would Bill O'Brien want to come to the Patriots? Why? I understand the previous relationship with, obviously, Bill and Bill, and obviously they have a good relationship. Belichick likes O'Brien. I understand all that. But think about where you're at if you're Bill O'Brien. You're in a situation right now where he's been out of the NFL for one year, right? And if you look at it, in that one year, he took a team and under Nick Saban, Really good offense last year. And look, they're loaded with talent, but that's part of the reason for all this. But you get all the way to the national championship game. You're going to come back next year with the likely number one pick of the NFL draft in Bryce Young. So if you're Bill O'Brien, why would you want to leave Alabama? See, what if you go to the Patriots where right now on paper, they're the third most talented team in the division. The Dolphins are more talented. And the Buffalo Bills are more talented. So if you're Bill O'Brien, you look at it from the opportunity to get your next job. He already got an interview with the NFL this year. Now, it went poorly. All the reporting was Bill O'Brien's interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars went poorly. But the point being, being the offensive coordinator at Alabama is a great job. All these guys get great gigs. Steve Sarkeesian is the head coach at Texas. Lane Kiffin ends up going because he had to rehab his image. He goes to what? Florida Atlantic. And then he ends up at Ole Miss. So this to me right now, being the offensive coordinator at Alabama is better than being the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. The Patriots, it's a challenge, right? It's a challenge to win that division. You're not the favorite to win the division. With Alabama, you're going to have a great offense next year. No doubt about it. Nick Saban has put his sort of stamp of approval on you. So that means when you look at it from Bill O'Brien's perspective, when he's looking at next year and opportunities next year, teams are going to come calling. I'm not guaranteeing like he's going to get an NFL job, but if he continues to be successful, which I don't understand why he wouldn't be successful, the offense incorporates a lot of different things, RPOs, play action, all stuff that we like in the modern-day NFL not to mention all stuff they like at the collegiate level. Heck, Bill O'Brien may play himself into getting a big-time college job. 
It's not like he was a failure as a head coach in the NFL. Bill O'Brien was a failure as a general manager in the NFL. Now, look, there are some things that I didn't like about Bill O'Brien as a head coach in terms of he was not keen on passing on early downs, which is obviously something that you should be doing, especially in the modern-day NFL. So there's some things to nitpick with Bill O'Brien as a coach. But overall, he wasn't bad. He was 52-48. and 48. That's a 520 winning percentage. And it's not as if he had great quarterbacks until he got to Sean Watson. Right? He's making runs. He's getting to the postseason with who? The TJ Yates of the world? Like those type of guys? Ryan Fitzpatrick? He never had great quarterbacks. Brian Hoyer was his quarterback one year with the Houston Texans. So my overwhelming point is I don't look at Bill O'Brien as one of these guys that flamed out and sucked in the NFL. I don't look at him as like the Freddie Kitchens, Ben McAdoo type, right? So when the Texans move on, for I understand why the Texans moved on for me. It was more about the whole situation with him and Jack Easterby and him taking over as it pertains to the front office decision, trading like trading away DeAndre Hopkins, idiotic. I'm not defending the front office moves. I mean, come on. You brought back David Johnson. All you got back was a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Arguably at that time, at that time, not now, at that time, arguably the best receiver in the NFL. It just made no sense. I mean, it was idiotic, some of the decisions he made. But really... It feels like what Alabama is, and he had to rehab his image a lot less than any of these other guys, right? It really feels like that's what Alabama is. The offensive coordinators, you, with the exception of like Brian Dayball went there because he wanted an opportunity to call plays. He was still at that time a relatively young head coach. But the new trend with Nick Saban is like rehab you. All right, Steve Sarkeesian, now he had serious issues, right? I mean, he had an alcohol issue. He was drinking like when he was the coach at Texas or excuse me when he was the coach at USC like he that's why he got terminated there he had a real problem there in terms of substance abuse Lane Kiffin had issues like rubbing everybody the wrong way he had real issues at USC he had issues with the Raiders he went to Tennessee he had success but then after that when he went to USC it was not good so he had to rehab his issue uh rehab his image so to speak to get another job Bill O'Brien, much less rehab needed. Like, it's not like somebody's going to look at Bill O'Brien in Alabama and say, stay, he's still making the same mistakes he was making it with the Texans. No, he can't trade players away. So I just look at it, too, like from this perspective of Bill O'Brien, this whole idea that Bill didn't go after Bill O'Brien out of respect for Nick Saban. Well, how do you know that it would have been a guarantee that Bill O'Brien would have taken the job? I don't know if it's me. I'm staying at Alabama. I feel like that's a better avenue to get my next great job, if you will. Obviously, Bill O'Brien doesn't want to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama forever. Obviously, it's not a bad gig, but he wants to eventually become a head coach, whether it's in the NFL or whether it's at the collegiate level again. And I don't feel like coming here with the Patriots situation right now, where they don't have a legitimate bona fide number one option at the receiver position, they have nice offensive players. They don't have great offensive players. I just feel like you're not setting yourself up to get another opportunity. So let's say the hypothetical is he comes back to the Patriots next year. Mac Jones improves a little bit. The Patriots, and this is being on the high side right now, the Patriots get a wild card spot. You think teams are like going nuts to hire Bill O'Brien after that? No, like Mac would have to make a huge jump for Bill O'Brien to be this like candidate to get a coaching job of the NFL. I feel like he's better off just sitting back there with Bryce Young and what if these one of these jobs opens where the team has the number one pick in the draft? They may be like, oh, Bill O'Brien coached Bryce Young at the collegiate level. We got the number one pick. 
maybe we can bring Bill O'Brien here. He can bring that system that they were using in Alabama, and here we go. We're ready to rock and roll with Bill O'Brien and Bryce Young. So, and look, I understand why people, well, I, I should say, I should phrase it this way. I heard Fitzy today saying this is a huge whiff by Bill Belichick because of the fact that this isn't what is best for the team. Well, this is what I'd say to Fitzy. How do you know? How do you know this isn't what's best for the team? A lot of play callers, offensive coordinators, if you will, were no names before they got their job. I'm not telling you that Bill O'Brien sucks as a play caller. He's a good play caller, right? That's part of the reason he's Alabama. Now, I did mention the fact, throw a little bit more in first and second down when he was at the Texans. Maybe he would have been more successful there. But my overwhelming point is this. Nobody knew who Sean McVay was before he was the offensive coordinator in Washington. Nobody really knew who Brian Dayball was when the Bills hired him. Now, us here, we were familiar with him in some sense because, of course, he used to be the tight ends coach here. And then he went to the Kansas City Chiefs. But nobody really knew who he was. How about Arthur Smith? Nobody really knew who Arthur Smith was when, remember, Matt LaFleur was there for the first year when Mike Vrabel took over as the Tennessee Titans head coach. And then Arthur Smith got elevated. The stories came out like, oh, he's actually a billionaire because his dad owns FedEx. Remember that whole thing? But Arthur Smith turned out to be a really good play caller. In fact, the offense got significantly better with Arthur Smith than it was with LaFleur, who is now considered to be a really good head coach in the NFL. So my point being is how do you know if you're Fitzy, who's saying this is a huge whiff by Bill Belichick not going after Bill O'Brien, how do you know that they don't deem or they don't think that Nick Cayley's a star? Because I still come back to the conclusion that I don't believe that Joe Judge or Matt Patricia is going to be the play caller in 2022. I believe that Nick Cayley is going to be that guy. And I do believe this. So I understand that we can look at Belichick, and obviously there's naturally with his level of accomplishment and his resume, there's going to be arrogance. But I can't imagine that Bill that Bill Belichick is so arrogant that if you go back to what he said midway through the season, who did he compare Josh McDaniels to? Nick Saban, the greatest college coach in the history of the game. I guess you can go back to Bear Bryant, but the greatest modern-day college coach of all time. A guy that Bill Belichick absolutely loves. Bill Belichick drafts all Nick Saban players. So when you look at it from Bill's perspective, if he's comparing Josh McDaniels to Nick Saban, saying that's how good of a coach Josh McDaniels is, I can't then think that Bill is so arrogant that they're just good. They're just good running their system. They'll replace, They'll do what they always did. They'll just replace Josh McDaniels with somebody else, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia. If he really thinks that highly of Josh McDaniels to put him in the same breath as Nick Saban, I can't believe that Bill and the organization, mainly Bill, because Bill runs the organization, let's be real about that, that Bill doesn't have a plan in place, that Bill doesn't believe, Bill has to believe that Nick Cayley, who's only 38, who's a tight ends coach, isn't a great coach. That's what I believe, is that Belichick looked at this and I'm sure they kicked the tires on the Bill O'Brien situation, but Belichick and company may think, hey, our guy is here. We believe that Nick Cayley can be sort of the next Josh McDaniels, if you will. Now, if Nick Cayley is going to be the next Josh McDaniels, I would say, hey, on second and 
one or second and two and second on three, throw the ball a little bit more. Those are passing downs. You can always pick up the four yards running the ball on third and three or third and two. So feel free to pass the ball a little bit on second and short if you're Nick Haley next year. But I truly believe that if you look at it from that perspective, they believe it's sort of like when Josh McDaniels was coming up the ranks. Where remember, initially, Josh McDaniels, when Charlie Weiss left for Notre Dame, Josh McDaniels wasn't given the title of offensive coordinator. Now, eventually he would get that, but he was just, I believe, quarterback's coach. And he was working along with Dante Scarnecchia, et cetera. And then eventually he became the offensive coordinator. I feel like Belichick and company feel like they have that with Kaylee. Because I can't imagine that they just feel like if they don't have, if Kaylee's not that guy on the staff, then Belichick would have went outside of the family tree and hired somebody externally. I have to believe that. There's no way they just think they can replace Josh McDaniels if we heard those comments from Bill Belichick. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So I do want to get into the Celtics real briefly before we leave for the night. One thing I'm really looking forward to in this matchup with the Nets, I'll address it next here on EEI. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Red Sox and Twins tomorrow, Celtics and Nets on Sunday. Cannot wait for that. It's going to be awesome. I just wish that the storylines with the Red Sox weren't all about contract situations. And look, I understand where both guys are coming from when it comes to Devers, when it comes to Bogarts, the Evaldi thing, major story now that Bradfoe put it out there that those two sides haven't talked. You've got to get him at least done in terms of a short-term deal. At least have discussions with the guy. I mean, that is just a little bit ridiculous that they haven't even talked to him. Kike Hernandez is going to have a contract situation in the offseason as well. I mean, I just want this now to be about baseball, but I'm not an idiot. I know we have to discuss these types of things because of the fact that it's major stuff going forward. All likelihood, this is Xander Bogart's last year with the Red Sox. And the Red Sox did not do themselves any favors by giving them that type of offer. It looks bad. It's not a real offer. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. We're with you up until midnight. So if you don't want to wait to the Red Sox, you can. Also, are you upset that the Patriots didn't go harder after Bill O'Brien? That's on the table as well. It's 617-779-7937. Let's get to David in Florida. David, how are you, my friends? Hi, Brian. Hey, David, what's going on? I catch you at a bad time? I'm, I'm actually I'm doing something that, you, that will make you angry right now. Oh, I'm God, eating. you're eating? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put my food on hold for a couple minutes. Oh, how considerate. Yeah, I try to be. You know, I was a little hurt by you the other night. Hurt by I mean, me? You, yeah, I mean, you you were picking on me. What did I do? You were, taking, you were taking my words out of context. You were twisting my words when we were talking about um, um, results and and how you were saying um, that I said it's all about results, and then and then you twisted my words around. I don't remember the exact conversation. No, David, hold on. So. I know exactly what you're talking about. You told me to ignore the results, and then you said to look at the results. You contradicted yourself. No, but I meant results in terms of the big picture. For example, pitching-wise, there's no doubt that they still need, even though the pitching has been has been decent so far, that that they still need another starter, right? So let's not get carried away. Let's not be um, 
to be fooled after only six games. They still need a bit. They still need another starting pitcher, and they still need bullpen help. So. That well, I mean, point. in fairness, in David, I understand your point, but in fairness, they do have Sale coming back and they do have Paxton coming back. I imagine they don't do anything as a, as it pertains to a starting rotation situation until they see those two guys. Is there any reason to have any significant confidence, significant degrees of confidence in Sale? I mean, he, he, I mean he's played maybe 60. How many starts has he had over the past three years? Maybe I'm with you. I mean, since he 40? signed, since he signed the contract, David, thirty-four. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm with you, David. I'm, yeah. I'm not super confident that Chris Sale is going to be great this season, but I'm saying I don't think they're going to give up stuff in the farm system to go after, say, like a Frankie Montas or something like that. I don't see Heim Bloom and company doing that. Do you? I mean, well, no, but what I'm, I mean, if you're going to lose Bogarts or Devers, trade them so they can get something in return before you lose them for nothing. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, no, I don't. I think uh, they're going to sign Devers long term. Well, I mean, if that's, I hope they do. Well, if the, I, I hope they sign Bogarts. I mean, Devers, I want to get. I've always wanted to get rid of, but get rid of him now. Trade him so you don't lose him for nothing, and get a top of the line pitcher and some bullpen help. They have too much. They they, they have a surplus of David talent Devers is the best player on the team. Why would you trade your best player? Right now, story. Right now, Bogarts or Story is the best all-around player on the team. <laughs> Devers might be the best hitter on the team, but but there's more to the game than just hitting. Right? You know, Devers has been really more. good in the field, David. Right? I mean, you're aware yes, of this. He has. He, he has so far. He has. Been. He, he's been very good, but he hasn't been tested. He hasn't what had, had, had to make. He hasn't had to make any great plays. He's made a lot of great plays, was, David. No, no, he David, has. you're biased. You're biased. You're just not no, a Devers no, guy. No, no. He's made some good plays, but wait till I see when he has to like charge. He hasn't. He hasn't been tested significantly yet. I mean, I want to. I don't even know what you mean by that. Tested, tested significantly. Are you going to tell me when he's tested? Wait till he has, wait till there's a rocket down the third baseline and he has to. Yeah, there was one the other day. He made a backhanded play on it. Maybe I missed it. Uh, I want to. Uh, I mean. Uh, last year, he always he and Bogarts had tremendous difficulty last year communicating on terms like if there was a slow roller um, between short and third, who would who, who would pick it up? I mean, oftentimes Bogart or um, Devers cut Bogarts off, and uh, Bogart should have picked it up, and they could have turned two. Or sometimes Bogart should have gotten it, and Devers cut him off. There was a total lack of communication last year between third base and short in terms of ground balls that were in between short and third. And that's something that I hope they worked on quite a bit. But, yes, Devers has looked much better defensively so far. I'll absolutely agree with you there. But still, there's more to the game than just than what he can do. And if you're going to if you're going to lose him, you might as well get somebody. Well, hold on, David. Hold, David, David, hold on. There's no guarantee you're losing Devers. They may sign Devers to a long-term contract extension. Here's my question to you, David. We're going to have another game tomorrow to react to. What does Devers need to do in 2022 to get the David approval that they should sign him long-term or are we past that point with you? No, he he, he he needs to be consistent defensively, and he also has to play with more intelligence 
is intellectual. All right, David, I appreciate the call and can't wait to keep chatting with you throughout the Red Sox season. But at least there's an opening for David. We've got an opening from David that he will give him a chance. He will give him a chance, which is something I didn't think we'd ever get from David. He's willing to give Raphael Devers a chance. Oh, by the way, my one quick thing on the Celtics before we leave for the night. I'm now at the point where I've come to the realization I've complained a lot about the matchup, but I feel like the Celtics could have gotten themselves some more advantageous first-round matchup. I'm at the point now where I just can't wait for Sunday. I just want this thing to happen. I want the Celtics to take out Kyrie Irving. I want this for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for them to take that next step, so to speak, where you win a great, you win a playoff series, not against a great team, but against star level players. I want to see this from these two guys. All right. Thanks to Ethan for producing. I'll be back with you tomorrow from six to 10. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.